This is Dylan. This is Nick. And you're listening to Hello and welcome to Colloquium. Here we are uh, on a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Happy Sunday to you, Nick. Yeah, happy Sunday. This is maybe the first Sunday one we've done in a while. So I think so, yeah. Because you guys all care so much about what day of the week we're recording. Right. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's what you, you live to hear when you hear our podcast. Um, what exciting things. Uh, it has been a year, over a year now, since we've been doing this podcast. Yeah. Congrats, congrats to us. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not <laughs> tired of hearing myself talk yet. So yeah, yeah. that's a good sign. <laughs> anyway, I kind of am, but we'll get over it. So, in in celebration, I am drinking a a Blue Moon. That's that's a beer for those of you who don't who don't know. Um, yeah, and for uh, Dylan, Mr. Jedlovic's high school students, that's a beer. If you don't yeah. know, you can. Yeah, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Moderation, alcohol in moderation when you're of age is a good thing. Real meant tried. to be enjoyed. Right. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way, to our listeners more more so than yeah, us who really. have stayed around yeah. with us for a year. I'm not really sure what you're yeah. listening to, but OK. Yeah, really. There's better podcasts out there, but <laughs> right. you stick with us. So <laughs> we're uh, we're grateful for that. That's for sure. And uh, you know, what's crazy, though, is that it has been a year and we've not done a podcast on this topic that we're doing a podcast on today. Right. Yeah, this is actually. I was thinking about this as we were talking. Just just a second is, this is a good like year on the podcast celebratory episode. I think we're so. Really, yeah. uh, I think we're both yeah. really excited about this one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, how can we dramatically reveal the, the um, theme now? Hmm. Let's see. I feel like I haven't rapped on the podcast in a while. All right. No, I'm not going to no? do that. Okay, yeah, that would have <laughs> been really spontaneous <laughs> when you know what was coming there. But. Well, they kind of know what the the show is about because, you know, we'll probably post the title, you know, as why yeah. you should read Dostoevsky. Yeah. So oh, I think oh, it oh would there it is. Oh, there dude. It is. Oh, no, I let it slip. <laughs> was that intentional? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> I was about to start rapping. For whatever uh, reason, okay. the French fr- Fresh Prince song was in my head. Oh, my gosh. I was going to start rapping that and trying to fit it in. But right. That would have been tough. Maybe at the end. Right. Okay. So we're talking about Fyodor. I think that's, that's how you say his first name. Fyodor, not Fyodor, but Fyodor mm-hmm. with an F and right. a Y. Dostoevsky, the great Russian novelist of the 19th century. Um, we have he has I'd say three major novels: um, Crime and Punishment, The Brothers Karamazov, and The Idiot. We'll talk about probably a little bit about all three. Um, probably focus on one in particular. Um, that is one of my favorite books of all time. But Dostoevsky, I mean, a little background. Um, like I said, ni- 19th century Russian novelist, really actually fascinating. I want to read more about his background, um, about his like biography um, of his life, because he, what I know about him was really interesting. Um, so he was, he, his mom died when he was 15. Um, he spent a lot of time as a, as a man in some form of imprisonment or exile under the, the Russian regime at the time. Um, so he, is, he was imprisoned at one point for, for criticizing the, the Russian, the Tsarist regime. And another time he, he was exiled to Siberia, which is interesting because they, they talk about that in some of his books, about the idea of going into Siberia for exile, which I imagine is just like Siberia is probably pretty cold and it's just like the, right. the vast Russian wilderness. Right. I don't know what the equivalent for that. would be like Northern Canada. 
going to northern Canada. <laughs> I have no idea what Siberia is like, but probably terrible. Yeah, um, but he's also a an Orthodox Christian, not a not necessarily a you know he was not perfect by any means. I think if you read a little bit about his life, um, but devoutly, devoutly Christian. At the end of the day, um, his faith was a really powerful thing in his life, and I think it. I mean, it bleeds through all his novels. I mean, is that fair to say, Nick? Well, oh yeah, it is. I'm sorry, you asked <laughs> me a question. I'm just over here thinking about how awesome he is. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, it is interesting, and I, I will just repeat um, that I or make sure it's understood that um, yeah, his experiences uh, in life definitely inform uh, his works and uh, his yeah. understanding about the human person and so on and so forth. So, yeah, and Dostoevsky is someone who I feel like I'm, I feel like in ten years I'll know a lot more about him because he's somebody I'm planning on learning more and reading more of. Right. So, you know, we're doing this podcast now. In some ways, it maybe is premature. Yeah. You're gonna know more. You know, it's kind of funny know. how I'm um, thinking about like how old I've gotten and how you've gotten too. Is just because I used to, you know, see his name in Barnes and Noble or whatever when mm -hmm. I was walking along the book bookshelves when I was uh, yeah. younger, maybe in high school or whatever. And you know, I would like see how big his books were on the shelf and look at his name and understand that I couldn't pronounce it, and yeah. then just kind of brush over it yeah, as no. something that I was never gonna read. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, it just has that initial intimidation. No, yeah, that's that's such a great point. I mean, Dostoevsky is like you can put him there on that short list of authors that like maybe you were forced to read in high school. Really long books. Sometimes, I mean, maybe isn't the best plug for this this author, but sometimes hard to get through. Right? They're long. Right. Um, it's 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 work. I'd say you have to actually work um, at the novels. But, and I hopefully you'll you'll know this by the end of the show, but it's worth it. Like yeah. every bit of effort you put in to the time you put in to read the novels that he writes, it it pays off because it's a mass they're masterpieces. Yeah, and I'll I'll say too that um, really like anything that you work at. Um, I started off with the Brothers Karamazov and yeah, I finished that. Um, I I read Crime and Punishment after that. I'm on the Idiot now, and yeah. uh, um, it's actually getting easier and easier to get through. I'm reading it more yeah. quickly and more quickly yeah. just because I understand how he talks and what he's about, and um, you know, kind of his yeah. his flow and i understand what russian names look like now so that's yeah, easier to pronounce right. that kind of a thing you know? yeah so i think maybe that's that's a good goal for this podcast is we want to or this episode we want to convince you to read hard books yeah not just hardcover books but difficult books right. read difficult books because it's worth it and we're going to explain that with why dostoevsky is worth it to read right yeah um so why why is he so awesome well, I think the first bullet point here is actually yours, so maybe you should answer your own question there if you um, if you want to do the honors. Fine, I'll do that. All right, All right. So um, this is why I think Dostoevsky is awesome. I think that he has a genius in his analysis of human nature. Agreed. And I think that he does this through his characterization, which we'll talk a lot about. He has some incredible characters, incredibly deep, intense characters. And I think this is just it's a result of a fascination that he had with, I'd say, life in general. I think he was enthralled by the mystery um, that life presented him, um, just the mystery of, of life, the mystery of humanity. And there's a quote that he wrote, I think, in, his, in a letter to his brother. And this quote, I think, I mean, this is one of the things, like, you know, if I had a quote book, like, this would be, like, one of my top five. Because mm. um, wow. I, I, I think it really, I really identify with Dostoevsky in this. I'm really, 
Uh, I'll read the quote in a minute, but I'm really just, I think, enthralled by the mystery of life and, and human nature as well. But this is a quote. He says, man is a mystery. It needs to be unraveled. And if you spend your whole life unraveling it, don't say that you've wasted time. I am studying that mystery because I want to be a human being. So I think Dostoevsky's point here, I think that in his novels, this is what he's doing, right? He, he's a novelist, right? He's a writer. But what did he see as his life goal? To study the mystery of what it means to be a human being. And I think he accomplishes that really well um, in, in the characters in his novels. Yeah, that resonates with me so much in my readings of Dostoevsky, too. I, I will say, I think one of the main reasons why I you know, honor him so much as, a, as an author and as an influencer in my life is um, I cannot tell you how many times in, in sitting down to read passages from his the two books that I've read of his um, that I've, after reading it, I'm like, almost, really, there's been several instances where I've, you know, been, like, laughing or tearing up or one or the other mm-hmm. because I just felt so understood. Yeah. You know, uh, that experience that the characters were having and the conversation they were having and the way that they phrase the way that Dostoevsky phrases the the events of the novel um, just made me feel so understood in my yeah. own in my own my own human experience. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's 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 mystery and a right. wonderful mystery. Right. Yeah. So. So, so what else? What would you say makes him so awesome for you? Yeah. Um. So this ties in really well, I think, to our uh, our theme of our podcast, you know, is um this idea of we want to promote, you know, holy and, and healthy and, and deep conversation yeah. amongst mm-hmm. amongst our communities. Um, and I think Dostoevsky, his characters, um, actually, I would say a huge majority of his novels, at least that I've read so far, are um, kind of follow conversations between characters. Yeah. Like he'll, mm-hmm. the dialogue will kind of um, just consume chapters at a time, you know, uh, right. between, between two characters or three characters or whatever, right. you know, and um, it's just absolutely enthralling these characters going yeah. back and forth on topics that matter and the existence of God and the meaning of meaning of yeah. existence in general. And, you know, they just, they go back and forth passionately about, about things that are going on in their lives. You know, um, it's a really, it's meaningful and really relatable, I think to our podcast. Right. And I think that's exactly why his novels are so long because it's like, if you want to get to know a person, you know, yeah. in real life, you, you got to have conversation with them. And the more yeah. conversation, the more of a window you're going to get into their soul. And I think that's what he spends all this time doing in his books is giving you conversations with very different characters, just having them interact in a way that really brings out um, their full personality in these characters he's created, but also brings out, I think, the best in each other and the worst in each other and and helps demonstrate the points that he's trying to make. Because I think he's trying to make some really serious points about faith, about life, about reason, um, about human nature through these characters that he's very intentionally crafted in a certain way. Right. It is amazingly intentional. It's a, so we'll, we'll get into this um, on, on the next bullet, but um, tied to this kind of conversation that happens between characters, they're just so realistic. The conversation yeah. is so realistic, and um, it just makes you seem like you're there, you know, which is yeah. amazing. Um, so I think, can we actually go ahead and go there? Like, maybe just talk about an example of, like, where do we see this out play out in characters? Like, can we talk about a few of his, a few of his characters? Yeah, they can so good about the complexity of characters. Yeah, I think uh, most famously, uh, one one of the most famous characters I think in all of world literature is uh, Raskolnikov from yeah. Crime and Punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, just a, a famously complex character who um, 
and maybe we'll give the summary of Crime and Punishment right now yeah. just briefly, yeah. and then yeah, um, we can get it. into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Crime and Punishment is is one of those books that you see on the shelf when you're young and you're intimidated by it. I think right. it's, yeah. it looks it looks very big and scary. I hope I don't have to read right, that in yeah. high school. <laughs> That's right. Um, but once you see what it's about, um, I, it's actually a pretty intriguing plot line, you know. Mm-hmm. So essentially, Raskolnikov, the main character, he's he a, kills her. Yep, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't spoil it. That happens. Wait, 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 why, did I, why did I laugh? Why is that funny? Anyway, death. <laughs> okay. Death is funny. <laughs> Gosh, really? Yeah, and we, and we have to laugh at death, right? Christ loud. conquered it. So fair enough. Happy Easter, everyone. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, Raskolnikov is a is a former uh, university student in Saint Petersburg, Russia, mm-hmm. um, who essentially believes that he is of um, a uh, his opinion is that he's of like a, a higher uh, higher race, or he's a member of this um, extraordinary part mm-hmm. of society mm-hmm. um, that, because of their extraordinariness, has the ability to uh, transcend the moral law whenever they so please. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of his what he believes about himself and yeah. about about society. And so, because he believes this, he decides that it's okay that he murders this old, you know, woman for her money. Um, and so he ends up doing that at the very beginning of the book. It's not a, you know, reveal at the end. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be at the beginning of the book, just for our listeners who are right. scared that yeah. I revealed something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he murders this, this woman and incidentally her sister too. Yeah. Um, like brutally, like brutally with it, an axe. It's graphic with, yeah. Yeah. With how he kills her. It's yeah. It's a brutal murder. Yeah. Right. And, um, so the, basically the essential plot line of crime and punishment is when he does this, um, he thinks he's going to do it without any sort of, uh, punishment really without any mm-hmm. sort of interior struggle right he's like plotting planning right. the perfect crime and he plans right. it out to a t and, and kind of is successful he, yeah, like sort nobody of. knows it's him right for a while that's right and he just goes on this this back and forth interiorly of yeah he just absolutely it eats him alive essentially yeah, the conscience the right. conscience kicks in right so um yeah he's just an incredibly complex character i mean literally in one scene he'll be laughing and at peace and then Two sentences later, he'll be crying and depressed and upset and insane. Right. And um, it's just he's an yeah. immense back and forth character. Yeah. And I mean, how much does that teach us about human nature? Right. I mean, it's an extreme case, but like, you know, we all can relate to that. The experience of maybe not murder, but of doing something that weighs on our conscience. Right. Yeah. Um, and even if we can't like it's 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 I think it's a very human thing to just like imagine and to picture yeah like those when you do commit something so so grave is that that kind of a brutal murder like what that does to a man what that does to the soul right um it you know the damage yeah he killed another you know another person but the damage that that did to him psychologically i think you can really see play out in that book right yeah i think what i get from him too is just obviously the objective nature of morality and it's it's not like he yeah. wants to it's not like he wants to be a good person he doesn't really even want to um yeah you know, it's just over the course of the novel, like he gets the sense that he can't he can't yeah. be one with himself unless he unless he acts according to morality, right. um, unless he confesses, yeah. unless he, you know, um, repents and turns around his life. You know, right. Well, and the thing is too, like, especially at the beginning, like when he when he um, commits the crime, commits the murder, he, you know, he doesn't strike you as like this, like. You know, he's the crazy, evil person who, who right. killed a woman, right? He's the kind of focal point you get in his head. Yeah, there's, like, some flawed thinking there, but he seems very relatable. Right. Right? And so just to see that human nature, I think, in, in Dostoevsky's novels, and especially in Crime and Punishment, is capable of horrendous evil. I think that's a theme that, that Dostoevsky really plays out. 
Yeah, and I think especially with him, too, is Raskolnikov is extremely poverty-stricken. He's very poor. He lives in a room he can barely stand up in or move around in. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dostoevsky does an amazing job of framing it so that, like, I think the viewer, the viewer, the reader is really supposed to kind of step into his, you know, sort of place. Right. You know, of, hey, like, you know, if I was in extreme poverty, wouldn't this be something that would come to my yeah. mind? You know? Yeah. Um, well, because he kills his landlady, right? No, no, it's it's, it's a pawnbroker pawn, that he yeah, yeah it's yeah. a pawnbroker that sells things and so on right. and so forth yeah 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 it's not her but it's like tied it's tied to his poverty right you know yeah um yeah. so yeah it's very much the the decision to kill this woman is very much tied to his extreme state of poverty right um you know of like because what he was reduced to you know he kind of justifies this action to overcome a real suffering you know yeah. real suffering. I love how too you get that image of like him in his tiny little room because there's a sense yeah. in which in the novel you're you're you know he's caught in this tiny and he spends a lot of time in this room after especially after the murder and like in a sense like he's trapped in this room you know and he's kind of paranoid because nobody knows but like you you know you're always paranoid that somebody's gonna find out right yeah so you're not exactly going out a lot well but you kind of have this image of he's physically trapped right in the room but he's also trapped in his mind that's a great point right and i think you're trapped in there with him yeah just how suffocated he feels yeah there's several there's several scenes literally where people come into his room to like talk to him or whatever and see how he's doing and it's family members or friends or whatever and um they literally like have to squeeze in there like he can't there's there's no room and you know honestly there's um that's kind of an allusion too to how over the course of the novel he just pushes people away there's no room for people Mm -hmm. in his life you know, um, no. he pu- he pushes people away. He doesn't want to let them in. Um, yeah, he's just in total isolation, kind of in this enclosed yeah. room, uh, physically and you know, spiritually and intellectually. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think crime and punishment is incredible, um, but it's it's not even considered his masterpiece. I think most people consider um, the Brothers Karamazov to be his his real masterpiece. Yeah, so maybe a, before we move on to that, maybe a, like a little asterisk there of uh, yeah. crime and punishment is considered like one of the great masterpieces of world literature. So it's not it's not like no, it's not yeah, <laughs> no, it's great, but it's that's the like thing. Like, people consider yeah. Brothers K to be even better. Right, yeah. Um, um, so just to make sure the our listeners understand that, yeah. Um, yeah. incredible novel that everyone should read, I think, Crime and Punishment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and we can always come back to that as right. the the themes allow. Um, but I was reading recently in a, a commentary on Dostoevsky. It's Lectures on Dostoevsky by Joseph Frank, who was one of his um, – wrote a lot about Dostoevsky. But he says somewhere in here, and I may not find it, but he basically puts Brothers K on a short list of, like, greatest works of all time with, like, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. Oh, wow. Um, King Lear and, like, a handful of other works of art. Wow. Yeah, like, that's – that's the level he has it on. And a lot of people, like, I've seen a lot of lists where Brothers K is, you know, on a, you know, top 10, top five, sometimes even list of greatest works of, of Western culture. And, I mean, that's kind of even what made me read it in the first place is, you know, I think I alluded to this in our Flannery episode, but I was reading this biography of four Catholic 20th century novelists, the A Life You Save Maybe Your Own is the name of it, by Paul Ellie, and in it, I realized that well, one of the things that con- one of the themes that came back in this this biography is that all of these authors seem to be impacted by not only Dostoevsky but this book, The Brothers K. Wow! In particular, I'm like, okay, what is what is it about this book? I've got to got to open it up. So I kind of 
came into reading it knowing that I was going to like it and kind of an- with high expectations. Um, and though it took work, you know, to work through it, it didn't disappoint. Yeah. Um, or absolutely did not disappoint. I think we want to talk about themes in general, but I think um, I'm sure a lot of it will focus in the Brothers K. But one of our kind of first themes, I think, is just the the Christianity of Dostoevsky. And I think you see this in a quote that's at the beginning of the novel, Brothers K. And it's also on Dostoevsky's tombstone. Um, and it's a quote straight from Scripture, the Gospel of John, when Jesus says, and this is, I think, the King James translation, but it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat or a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So this is quote on his th- tombstone, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the powerful quotes at the heart of the gospel. Unless a grain of wheat shall fall into the ground and die, it remains a grain. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So the idea of death and resurrection, right, that's at the heart of the gospel is is what Dostoevsky wanted to be identified with. And it's at the beginning of this novel, at least. I don't know if it, he put it there. Or it's it's in the Barnes Noble classic, at least. Yeah, I think I think Dostoevsky I surely think put his, it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's what he put there. Yeah. And so I think like reading, you know, his works in that context, I think is important because I think he is intentionally explaining some real themes about human nature, but also how Christianity speaks into human nature. I think. Yeah, absolutely right. It seem it seems like as a as an authentic Christian, and of course Dostoevsky was flawed. That would be his central theme, bleeding throughout all his works, is yeah. uh, death and resurrection. Um, I know that's yeah. true in uh, Crime and Punishment and Brothers K as well. Yeah. Although I'm really interested about that because um, I'm glad you brought that uh, verse up because when I when I first saw that at the front of Brothers Karamazov, mm-hmm. I thought, "Whoa, this is going to be awesome." Yeah. Then as I read it, of course, Brothers yeah. K is amazing, but I still had a lot of like some trouble kind of connecting why right. that verse was at it's, the beginning. It's not directly obvious, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might. I would say maybe it has something to do with. Um, course one of the one of the central characters i just i don't know if this is any spoiler for the brothers karamazov but um the central character dies and it's a source of kind of contention yeah, and right amongst the family yeah. or whatever but um so that's probably you know of, of course relates to the verse but um i don't know maybe we'd have to, to think about that and dig into yeah. that more as we uh, as we discussed us yeah. together yeah i'm sure yeah. we'll figure it out with time so. but i think so our next theme i think will require a little bit of explanation of, of what exactly the book's about um, but kind of have the theme here is faith, hope, and love as the answer to the problem of evil. So the problem of evil is something that um, Dostoevsky really fleshes out in this novel, The Brothers K. So he does this in a, a really, really incredible way. Um, the center of the story is this family. So it's a father who whose name happens to be named the same first name as Dostoevsky himself. Fyodor is the name of this father. And he's like a degenerate human being, like morally, horribly corrupt, like has some religious um, kind of inclinations, but is just horribly morally corrupt. Um, you know, drinker, gambler, um, adulterer, all, all these things. And he has three sons. Well, he has four sons, I think, technically. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well. The, yeah. the fourth one's kind of is it really? illegitimate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's three three main sons: so um, Ivan, Dmitri, and Alyosha. Now the characterization of these children are really fascinating because they all kind of inherit 
in some ways, some certain aspects of the father. Um, I think so. I, Ivan, for instance, is an atheist, just complete intellectual atheist. Um, and Dimitri is not an atheist, but he's kind of like somewhere. Well, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Not an atheist, but kind of inherited the morally degenerate nature of his father. Like, more, and not necessarily morally de- degenerate as much as it is like just sensual, like falls prey to sensuality, right. um, the, the passions of the flesh. Um, just very easily, I think. Right. And then the last son, Alyosha, the youngest son, the youngest son, right? Yep. Yeah. He um is like he's the saint. Um, Dostoevsky calls him the hero, his hero. Right. He is the hero of the novel, and he is, um, you know, it's the, the setting of the novel, the beginning of the, the novel. He's, um, essentially in the novitiate at a monastery. Um, again, this is Russian Orthodox. Um, and he spends time like back and forth between this monastery but he just he loves humanity like he just has a heart of gold um he's in some ways kind of gullible um which i think we'll get get at in some of the other themes yeah, but maybe. he's you know dostoevsky calls him time and time again his his hero yeah um but these characters are immensely rich and i think he he plays out these themes um but what i want to get at is so the answer to the problem of evil the other thing dostoevsky does is he lays out, I mean, literally, if you read the back of the Barnes & Noble classic copy of this, it says that Dostoevsky has several chapters. Um, so it says, the novel is particularly famous for three chapters that rank among the greatest pages of Western literature. Rebellion and the Grand Inquisitor present what many have considered the strongest arguments ever formulated against the existence of God. Okay, so here we have this Christian author, right? Um, you know, with the ep- with the leading quote of the novel being, unless a grain of wheat shall fall right from the heart of the gospel, he's saying here, he's presenting in his novel as well some of the strongest arguments against the existence of God ever written. I think he does right. that primarily through Ivan, but how powerful is that, that that's contained in this book? Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, that he's willing. You know, it reminds me of Thomas Aquinas, you know, who's very famous for yeah. steel manning other people, right, you know, other right. other arguments. You know, of, mm-hmm. um, he would articulate um, the opposing argument to the existence of God or whatever his opinion was, in a way that was actually more convincing than the person that he was arguing against. Yeah. Um, and he would, you know, strike down or argue against that that argument. Yeah. You know, and Dostoevsky, I think, does the same thing here. One who is a, a committed Christian, a believing Christian, he cho- chooses to kind of um, steel man the problem of evil, you right. know, so as to to uh, defeat the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he does that by in the really the heart of the novel. There's these two chapters. The two of the ones they mentioned are back-to-back. So it's, I think, Rebellion and then The Grand the Inquisitor. Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. Yeah. Those are interesting. You maybe want to touch on what those, yes. the kind of the gist of those are? Yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll do Rebellion. You can talk about yeah, the Grand sure. Inquisitor. Um, so Rebellion is, is, I recently just reread it. It's Ivan, the atheist, basically sitting down at a table with, with his brother Alyosha and basically just explaining um, – why he doesn't believe in God. And his problem is the problem of evil. And he addresses, um, basically goes through all these stories of basically mainly children who have been abused, um, just the evilness of humanity, all these people he's known or stories he's heard of just brutal brutality in, in human nature. And basically his point is, you know, how can God permit that? Um, 
And I, I encourage you to read it for myself, yourself because, you, you know, he steel mans it better than, than I can. Uh, but essentially this this problem of why is there all this evil? And that's what Ivan really wrestles with. Um, and Alyosha actually doesn't really have a lot of response, which I think we'll get to. Um, but it's followed up with the Grand Inquisitor. So while they're still sitting at this table, it's the next chapter where Ivan d- kind of takes another approach at it. And you want to talk about that? Right, yeah. Um, have you read the Grand Inquisitor recently? Yes, I, I've okay. also reread it. Okay, recently. gotcha. I haven't read that in a while, but I, I will say that essentially the gist of it is um, Ivan presents the um, kind of the thought experiment of uh, mm-hmm. if Christ came back right now yeah. dur- during his time or, dur- you know, during the present time. If, if I think Christ it was returned. a little bit before. It was like during the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, right, actually. during yeah. the Inquisition. Yeah. Right, yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, yeah. He frames it in light of the Spanish Inquisition. But anyway, um, the, the gist is that Christ comes back again at a later time mm-hmm. and Ivan's uh, premise or or gist of the theme of his his thought experiment is that um, if he came back during the Inquisition, um, they would murder him just like they did before. Right. Um, yeah. The the human beings would would murder Christ just like they did. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and it's in part a um, kind of a knack, knock on Catholicism. Um, I think in in Dostoevsky's Orthodox faith, you know, he isn't the biggest proponent of Catholicism. Um, you know, despite its its big overlap with with orthodox christianity eastern orthodox christianity but main quibble being with the the kind of power that i think the roman church had particularly in his time and before more so before centuries leading up to it um he really felt like was antithetical to the gospel um that that the church shouldn't have had that power so there's that point but there's also the point of the problem of evil that that ivan is throwing at alyosha and what's really interesting is I sure you remember from reading, like Alyosha doesn't have a lot to say in response. Um, there's yep. a little bit of a dialogue after, but you would think like, okay, now Alyosha is going to respond with right. his explanation of why he believes in God, right? Right. But there's not, that's not really how he responds. Um, and the response is essentially because at this point, I think it's right after that, um, Alyosha goes back to the monastery. Um, and the response is essentially going to be um, partially Father Zosima, mm-hmm. who's Alyosha's mentor. Um, there's a right soon after this, there's a a big um, a chapter or two on his like speeches. Um, it's very rich, um, but I think the the main response to Ivan is Alyosha's life hmm. in the book. I think that for Dostoevsky, Alyosha responds through living out the gospel in his life in a really radical way. And, you know, that's the question. The question of the book is like, is Alyosha's response? Like if that's his response, like, is that, is that an adequate response? And, and a lot of people think, yeah, like he did, like the, the way he lived it out, um, in its own way answered the problem of evil. And I think there's something about that for Dostoevsky that he really wants to drive home. I think he could have answered this in a more rational way, like in a more, you know, dialogue way. But I think he wanted to show the power of faith to transform somebody's life. Right. And I think he does that in Alyosha. Yeah, and just seeing, too, the influence that Alyosha has over the people in his family and in, yeah. in his community. Too, Everyone you know? respects him. I right. mean, there's that quote you you brought up recently about, like, um, him being an honest man. I think we said this on the podcast. Yeah, like, that's right, a couple times ago, or a couple like, podcasts ago. I want the truth. I'm going to go to Alyosha. Like, right. I know he'll give me the truth. Yeah, it was on the, wasn't it on the truth and beauty it and was, goodness? No, it was on the, the lying. Oh, podcast, that's right. Yeah. Lying, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it, there's a, a really powerful scene. Yeah, where just as a reminder, where Alyosha kind of 
or someone approaches Alyosha knowing that they're going to get the truth from him, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just seeing his faithfulness too to his family members, you know, Dimitri and Ivan are not good people. Um, neither is his father, um, you know, and just seeing that um, he sticks by their side and, and loves them and kind of um, he has a sort of a, a Christ-like relentless pursuit of them, you know, um, and mm-hmm. his charity. Um, it's just a couple examples of his his kind of character and how he's hero-like. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, another event I want to talk about in the theme too. So we have here faith or intuition as necessary for discovering the truth. But I think the story I want to talk about here is um, Alyosha's response to um, when Father Zosima, his mentor, dies. Mm. So when his mentor dies, there's this there's this Greek or Eastern Orthodox tradition um, that when the when when a holy man dies, you know, typically the body starts to smell as it corrupts. But for a holy man, there's this tradition that if man's truly saintly, then his body will actually exude a sweet odor rather than a foul-smelling odor. So uh, Alyosha, this is, again, the hero of the novel, and has full expectation this is what's going to happen to his mentor. And Father Zosima, his mentor, has his critics who think, that he's not the holiest man in the world, you know. But Alyosha is just certain that he is holy and his body's not going to smell bad. Well, they open up the casket and when, when they're looking in and, and basically he's wrong. It, it smells. His body reeks. And Alyosha is devastated. Okay, so this is, again, I, I alluded to Alyosha being gullible, right? Well, this is like a, a key point for Dostoevsky. And I want to read a little bit of what he says about this moment. Because this is a moment where Dostoevsky interrupts the novel to say, to basically say why this was actually a heroic thing for Alyosha. So what he says is he's talking about, he's, he reminds you that Alyosha is his hero. Um, and he said, maybe some, basically says, maybe somebody less gullible wouldn't, wouldn't have expected it, wouldn't have had this, because Alyosha's crushed. Like, he's devastated about this. Um, but he says, in some cases, it may really be more credible to be carried away by an emotion, however unreasonable, which springs from a great love, than to be unmoved. It, it could be really more credible to be carried away by an emotion, however unreasonable, which springs from a great love, than to be unmoved. So I think for Dostoevsky, the heroic thing of, of Alyosha is his ability to be moved by his love for humanity and his, I think, his quest and, and, and love for holiness as well. Right. So it's not in, like, his, you know, ability to respond to Ivan in the moment. It's in the life that is transformed life by grace. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Nothing to add. All right. Will, let's see what else do we have in themes. Truth in eccentricity. I can let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, sure. Um, I wrote a bo- blog post on this the other day for... Oh, really? Anyone that cares, yeah. Check it out. <laughs> we can provide a link. Uh, no. Sherlock Holmes, actually, and uh, kind of his eccentric nature and kind of how mm. it it um, uh, says truth about uh, the human experience. And mm. anyway, we'll, we'll talk, we won't talk about Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes maybe another time. But um, yeah, so um, Dostoevsky says this about his character, Alyosha, actually before the Brothers Karamazov. There's a little from the author forward um, at the beginning of the book mm. where he speaks about his hero. Um, he calls Alyosha his hero. Yeah. Um, and he says this about him that I uh, um, just thought was really amazing and has always stuck with me. Here it is. It happens sometimes that an eccentric person, I dare say, 
carries within himself the very heart of the universal. And the rest of the men of his epoch have for some reason been temporarily torn from it, as by a gust of wind. Okay, yeah, yeah so um, he kind of prefaces this quote with, um, yeah, a lot of times these eccentric people in society are um, kind of the exception. They're kind of really vilified for good reason as being crazy and off and, you mm -hmm. know, not what it means to be a human being. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes, and this is what he says in the quote, is that um, the eccentric person is actually what a human being should be and everyone else has been torn from what a human being should be. And that's what he says about Alyosha is that Alyosha is eccentric in a sense in the novel. He's, he's different than the other characters yeah. um, in, in many ways. Um, and Dostoevsky's his theme is, um, or his message is that Alyosha is actually what a human being should be like uh, in those ways. Right. Um, and so we can explore maybe those, um, I don't know, those ways yeah. in particular. But well, I think he's just like a, I think he's a, a personality that everyone's captivated by. And not even so much his personality, but by like his virtue, really. I think every right. character is drawn to Alyosha right. in a particular way. Agreed. Um, and so I think it is it is just his life that's an example. You know, whether that's, you know, like even Ivan, you know, his atheistic brother, like has tremendous respect for Alyosha. Like, yeah, he'll argue, he'll take him to, to town on, on intellectual debates, but they all respect him. Um, like your example with, you know, his honesty. Um, but even just his, he goes out of his way. He spends a lot of the novel, like, um, really just investing in the lives of these, these young boys, like probably pre-adolescent boys who are mm. having a lot going on with one of their, you know, one of their, their, not co their companions. That's the word I'm looking for is, uh, you know, near death. Um, they're just having various tragedies and Alyosha just invests in their life and you see him kind of bouncing back and forth between this group, but then also his family and trying to invest in them. I mean, the central kind of plot is Dimitri, one of the brothers, is on trial for killing their father. I don't mm. even know if we revealed that yet. But Oops. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> like he's on a murder trial for killing his own father, Dimitri right. is. And um, Alyosha's like investing in him and then also investing in his other brother. And then they all have love interests. And, you know, and, and Alyosha is just there. To love all these people in his life, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's not just Alyosha either, and throughout Dostoevsky's readings, that is eccentric. I mean, I, I would venture to say, and this is why I think Dostoevsky is this an extremely entertaining mm -hmm. read, is that all of his characters have some sort of eccentricity to them—the way yeah. that they talk, and the mm -hmm. way that they move, and how kind of erratic they are at times. You know, um, yeah, all of his characters kind of have an eccentric quality to them, and I'm reminded of. Uh, Flannery O'Connor. It's really funny yeah. how in this conversation, I it, multiple times I've thought about how oh, Flannery O'Connor is kind of is kind of like that or influenced by that. Yeah. But it, it seems to me like um, you know Flannery O'Connor had a quote that said, "To the heart of hearing you shout, and to the yeah. the blind you draw mm -hmm. large and startling figures." And um, yeah. you know Dostoevsky is very much that, very much that. His his characters are very um, a, a proverbial shout, if you will, to his readers. Right. So. Yeah. And they're they're I think they're simultaneously eccentric but relatable. Exactly well. right. Yeah. You know, like Dimitri, who's the the one on trial for murder and has all these other moral issues, but like he's relatable. I think what Dimitri shows is like what you see in him is like the weakness of, of human flesh, right? Right. Um, whether it be anger or lust or whatever it is, like Dimitri's falling into these things out of weakness. Um, and you can kind of see even a little bit of a good nature in him, but just like a conflicted nature. Right. Um, 
so even in his eccentricity, he, you know, he, um, he's relatable. Right. That's the theme. You know, that's the theme is that because of he's presenting his characters yeah. eccentrically like this, he's telling you about what a human being yeah. should be like. Well, and what, yeah, like a human being we are. is capable of being incredibly fallen, incredibly weak, but also capable of being a saint. Right. You know, now Yosha. Um, but also capable of complete rebellion, like Ivan, you know? And then there's characters like the father, Theodore, who is a little bit of, kind of a little bit of all of it, you know? Right. He's, he's morally degenerate. The description of him at the beginning is not very positive, but, like, you see, like, some good nature in him um, throughout the, the book as well. Right. Um, cool. And then the women are significant. They all kind of have love interests, and the women, I think, reveal... Um, different things about themselves and about the characters as well and their their own flaws. Um, but, I mean, you could spend hours analyzing all the characters. Sure, right. Yeah. Um, I think we're good on that quote or on that, yeah. uh, that theme. I mean, I think, I think we kind of touched on the last one, that faith should be lived radically through Alyosha. Do you have more of that? Yeah, you know, I actually, there was another theme that we didn't have on the list that kind of popped into my mind as yeah, we were talking, and uh, maybe you can uh, kind of say whether you agree or disagree, but sure. it occurred to me as I was thinking about Flannery O'Connor and Dostoevsky together that, um, you know, Flannery O'Connor is famous for her kind of moments of grace. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how um, she presents her characters in settings where they have the opportunity to accept or refuse the grace of the Lord in their lives. Yeah. Um, and it struck me about how Dostoevsky is very much the master of that, about offering mm. these moments of grace to his characters. Um, and I had a couple of scenes in particular, one from each of the Brothers K and Crime and Punishment that I that I had that it, it kind of occurred to me um, were just really powerful um, experiences of that. And I'll only just touch on one for now from Crime and Punishment. Um, it just really, I think it's maybe my, my most um, memorable scene from Dostoevsky of really of, that I've read so far. Um, it's an example of this kind of offer of grace that Raskolnikov gets. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll, um, I think Rus I have it. Raskolnikov being from Crime and Punishment. From Crime and Punishment. Yeah. Did I say Brothers K? No, you didn't. I'm oh, just okay. clarifying for our readers. Right, from Crime and Punishment. Um, our listeners. Yeah, that's we right. We don't have readers. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, this is um, just a, a really quick background. Uh, so Raskolnikov, of course, he's the, the, the main character, the murderer of this, this woman. And he has this love interest, Sonia, who... Um, he kind of uh, mm -hmm. eventually confides in. Um, he's he she's the first one to kind of hear his confession, um, and this is when Raskolnikov has has just confessed uh, the that he murdered this woman to Sonia. This is the first mm -hmm. time he's expressed his his confession. Um, and then uh, Sonia actually reacts in a way a lot different than he thought he would than he thought she would. Um, mm -hmm. She actually stays around and kind of gives him a hug and says how upset sh that she is, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. And it says, um, here, here's what Dostoevsky has to say. A feeling long unfamiliar to Raskolnikov flooded his heart and softened it at once. He did not struggle against it. Two tears started into his eyes and hung on his eyelashes. Then you won't leave me, Sonia, he said, mm. looking at her almost with hope. No, no, never, nowhere, cried Sonia. I will follow you. I will follow you everywhere. Wow. Um, it's just like a really, um, um, a couple of things come to mind in that, in that passage of like Raskolnikov pours his soul out, you know, yeah. thinking that he's going to be rejected, um, yeah. you know, in this, uh, um, and kind of this unexpected way, you right. know, Sonia offers him this, 
this grace, this, um, yeah, this presence of the Lord tangibly yeah. in his life that um, I've offered myself up in, in who I am to you mm-hmm. and you haven't refused me. Um, yeah. You know, um, a couple of things come to mind there of like how, how realistic that is and how, how many times I've, you know, I've, I've thought that about people in my life of, wow, if they really knew me, like I, they wouldn't say, like, you know, they, <laughs> they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't accept me or they would leave or you know, right. I think that about the Lord, you know, about like, Lord, when you see my sin, like you're not going to want me yeah. kind of a thing, you know, yeah. and, um, just think about how relatable that is, you know, that, that, um, that scene from crime and punishment, right. and, um, how powerful that is and, you know, the grace that's offered in that. Yeah. And I think that's just, that's the power of the gospel for him is, is the love, like the power of the gospel is not in an intellectual argument as much as it is in the power of the gospel to transform a human being through right. love and for a human being to offer this forgiveness without, you know, it's not a reasoned out forgiveness or, or reasoned out love despite, you know, this, this horrible crime. It's, right. it's just a commitment to love unconditionally. Right. And I think that's what's so powerful for him. And I think he shows it through, through, is it Sonia? Yeah, Sonia. Yeah, Sonia mm-hmm. and through Alyosha as well. Right, yeah. And there's plenty of scenes like that where, you know, um, grace is offered. And uh, I think another O'Connor quote is that um, her stories are about the offer of grace usually refused. So there's plenty of opportunities for these characters yeah. in Dostoevsky's works right. to, you know, accept this moment of grace and they refuse it. You know, um, right. they, they turn away from it. Um, yeah. You know, this is an example of one where Raskolnikov actually actually did allow his heart to soften. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I think there's... There's so many good themes, and I think we've only kind of scratched the surface. Um, the the last, th- well, the one thing I want to talk about, but I don't want to because we're gonna, we don't want to spoil it. Um, but even in, in the conclusion of the murder tri- murder trial, um, I think there's a whole another point that Dostoevsky makes through it that you just have to read to find out. And I think it's really powerful when you do that fits in line with some of these other other themes. Um, so we'll leave that to the mystery of the novel and let you figure it out for yourself. Um, any any closing comments on Dostoevsky though? Yeah, um, maybe address to the listeners. Please read Dostoevsky. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, really do. It's worth it and, to get through. And I don't know where would you say to start. I don't know. I, you know, I I think probably in terms of length, Crime and Punishment is a lot um, is uh, is shorter. You yeah. know, so probably. And I would say that's maybe more of a page turner than Brothers Karamazov is. Okay. Just overall, um, yeah. but it depends on the type of reader that they are. Yeah. You know, um, if they like more direct spiritual themes, then the Brothers Karamazov is, is the one for them, obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely plug Brothers K. That's my favorite. Um, yeah, the spiritual themes. I think you hit it on the head there. If you're right. wanting to see complex characters play out in their, their spirituality, I think Brothers K is the way to go. Um, I'm just inspired by like the the portrayal of like Alyosha as his hero. And just like studying Alyosha throughout to figure right. out what is it about him that makes him a hero or a right. saint. Yeah, so. and I will get a snippet too to the idiot. You know, yeah, I, good, good. Yeah. I was talking. Dylan and I were talking about doing this probably a month or two ago, and I was like, no, I, I don't. I want to finish Crime and Punishment, and then I want to like get into the idiot quite a mm-hmm. bit, but so I can talk about that. I didn't quite get enough into it to be able to just say anything. Tell him the concept because yeah. I think the concept of the idiot's incredible. The concept is amazing. Um, is basically the idiot is about um, Dostoevsky's like ideal um human being essentially um it's about a a a guy who is considered to be an idiot among society but in reality is this holy you know incredible human being Mm -hmm. um so um really it's 
Dostoevsky's like again epitome epitome human being. It, he considered it to be his favorite work. Um, wow. Yeah, so uh, I'm really excited to read it. I'm about a hundred pages in, a little over a hundred pages in right yeah. now, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. But yeah, um, but yeah, I didn't have enough to yeah. be able to say anything about it. Yeah. So. Well, in a year we'll do a an idiot maybe podcast. so. Wait, yeah. hasn't that the whole thing been an idiot podcast? <laughs> yeah, Gotti. <he. laughs> I've been waiting okay. all day to say that. Classic. One. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just in, in a little conclusion, um, I think we mentioned we're getting a new logo. We're still working on that, but stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, just excited, especially this summer. I have a lot more time. I think we're going to hopefully do excited to keep coming and, and do some new things, new, interesting things. Maybe have some more guests on, um, but leave a review on, uh, Apple podcasts, um, especially, um, we would love that. Uh, we were supposed to say this at the beginning, but we actually uh, were, were guests on a podcast the other day. Yeah, the Nor You Know is what it was called. Um, yeah. It's uh, actually another local podcast from um, someone who lives in the area, Noor. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce yeah, her Kishir, last name. I think. Yeah, Noor. Kishir. Yeah. The Noor um, You Know is right, how you refer to her. Which Noor? Yeah. The Noor You Know. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I thought it was an enjoyable conversation, actually. We, we talked for, gosh, yeah. probably two hours. Yeah, so check it out. Um, yeah, we can post a link to it at some point when it's published, but it by the time we release it, it'll probably be published around the same time by the time this get comes out. Um, but yeah, it was basically, a, I mean, a more or less secular perspective. I'd say that her podcast is similar to ours in, in nature um, about sparking meaningful conversation, um, but from a more secular approach, I'd say. And wow, she asked us everything, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She didn't hold back. Yeah. I mean, we went from, she just was interviewing us essentially about Catholicism and we covered the sex scandals we covered. Hard verses in the Bible. I mean, it was it was there weren't a lot of softball questions there. Yeah, we did okay. I think I think it was good that we had a theology teacher at the end of the day, so I <laughs> answered a lot of the questions. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, it was yeah, good. it was. Um, but I think I, I really enjoyed the experience. Um, I think it was was challenging in a lot of ways. Um, right. But definitely enjoyed the the opportunity and and was grateful for it. So. Definitely check that out on the Nor You Know. Yeah, and we'll definitely try and do some more guest podcasts. I think on our own show. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been our podcast colloquium. Um, go follow us on Instagram and uh, everywhere else you follow things. We're uh, yeah, we're out there. So go do that. Leave a review. Uh, we love you, and uh, we'll see you next time. See y'all. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Amen. <laughs>